Welcome to the RSM podcast, Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about Rock Solid Ministries, our free revival service, printed materials and devotionals, or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at rocksolidministries.org. Again, rocksolidministries.org. My guest today is Ryan Talbert, part-time preacher at South Raleigh Christian Church in Raleigh, Mississippi. Ryan and I met about two years ago while I was preaching revival at his home church near Hickory, Mississippi. Just what I'm doing right now again, and that's why we're together. And since that time, he has started preaching on a part-time basis. So, Brother Ryan, tell us your story. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate you having me here. I'm flattered and tickled to be here. Uh, you know, if I had to title, I was reflecting and praying on it just before we got up here, and if you had to title everything that led up to this day, uh, you remember in uh, Acts 9, when uh, Saul was on the road to Damascus, and, you know, uh, his conversion, and, you know, Lord asked him, you know, why you persecute us, and then, he, you know, he said that line in there, well, you know, it's hard to kick against the pricks or the ox goes, depending on your translation. Right, yeah. To kick against the ox goes would... I'd be the best summation of how I'm here today. Really? Um, yes, sir. Uh, no, I'm not com remotely comparing myself to Saul or Paul. And no, I've never persecuted the church, but I certainly was a ox. Stubborn, burly, resistant to what I was being told. And I kicked against the ox goes quite a bit. Um, to back up the beginning, I was uh, raised in a good Christian home, but I was raised in the Southern Baptist denominations. We was talking about, uh, I grew up here just behind Antioch in the woods, literally. Um, my dad uh, led me to Christ in fourth grade. I think I forgot the exact age that was. At the time, we'd had to move away from my dad's employment, and we didn't have a real good home church. So I wasn't actually baptized until January 16th of 1994. I still remember that day. How old would you have been? 94. You gotta go back and figure that up. I think you? I just turned 13. Yeah. 12, okay. 12 or 13, I'd have to do the math. 81 right. to 94. <laughs> right. But uh, I was baptized and, you know, I was good family, good parents. I, I don't have the, you know, the, the, uh, a unique story there. Right. Uh, grew up, but, you know, I graduated. 18, full of myself, and did like so many people do. You mean you were a teenager and you were full of yourself? Yes, yeah, sir. Well, Still I've never struggling. heard such a thing. Still struggling. Still <laughs> struggling. <laughs> like, so full, run over the top. You oh, know? okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I got to chasing things of the world. Uh, career, college, good time, friends, all of living for me. Mm -hmm. Not proud of it, not bragging. It's just the truth, you know. Uh, and unfortunately, that was probably, you know, I guess if you look at my Christian walk over wife, over my, excuse me, my life, you see a little bell curve. You know, I got further away from the Lord instead of closer. Right. Like a, lot, a lot of folks do that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and got to a point, you know, that, uh, well, I was raised Christian. You know, I was a Christian. I was right. saved, you know, and that was good enough. You know? mm -hmm. And, uh. I remember, though, I was in college. I was going to school to be a nurse, and uh, I was in, living in Hattiesburg, going to University of Southern Mississippi, and uh, a friend of mine 
uh, several of us friends uh, went to a friend of ours mutual church there in Hattiesburg. And I still remember the guy preaching. I can't remember his name exactly. I remember his face. And I, they had a, it was a Sunday night service. I remember sitting there. And he's a good preacher. And uh, I remember I just, boy, the Holy Spirit come over me and got me so convicted. And I hadn't shared this with a lot of people. I'm going to be real honest. And that was the first time I knew he was calling me to preach. And it took my breath away. I couldn't hardly breathe sitting in the pew. Wow. And it scared me. I'm not proud of it, but I'll tell the truth. So you know what you do sometimes when you get scared of something? You run. Yeah. And the idea is if I run hard enough, if I run fast enough, if I run far enough, I'll get away. This is what it did. And I didn't understand that at that time. This is something yeah. I've learned more in the last 14 months. Mm -hmm. As I've grown in my faith and looking back over them days, I didn't know that when I was in college. Yeah. And uh, so I, I, I still, I live for myself, you know, just hardly ever going to church after I left nursing school. I was too busy being a career guy. Right. I had my military career in the Air Guard. I had my nursing career. I mean, and uh, on paper, I made all the right choices. I was doing all the right things. And I was blessed even in that. I mean, things were looking great, but... Me and my wife, is after I got married, and we started going to church a little more, a little church over there uh, close to where she was finishing up dental school in Jackson. And we was married in that little church, and the Lord started hearing me. We actually, to tell the whole truth, we were actually married and going to a Methodist church at the time. Yeah. So I, you know, it was like I said, how, you know, that goes into how I wound up here. Well, that's, that's how a lot of people are in today's world, that they're, uh, they, they move around from church to church. And, and a lot of times it's because uh, preaching does convict us. And anytime someone preaches, whether they're preaching all of the gospel or part of the gospel, we're going to be convicted because the word of God convicts. But I find that a lot of people don't really, they hear, but they don't listen. And so they're, they're just, well, this, this church seems comfortable, so that's where I'm going to be. And that, that happens a lot nowadays. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, that was the beginning of the coming back on that curve that I was telling you about, coming back closer to where I needed to be, starting to grow up. And then uh, we, my wife finished school. We moved back here, mm -hmm. and she, we were working. And uh, like you said, what's convenient or comfortable, near and dear childhood friend of mine invited me to go to our previous church here and got to really getting back in the Word and growing and uh, went to teaching. Um, I never will forget the first time me and my wife were asked. We were taught together third and fourth grade Sunday school at our church for years. Yeah. And uh, we didn't even have kids. So we got an education <laughs> at the same time we thought we were doing well, now, you, let me ask, You've got children now, right? Correct. Well, tell, tell us about them. Let's jump off of the story sure. here and let's hear about your kids. Uh, yeah, uh, that's another story how uh, the good Lord has a sense of humor. Uh, we were told... <laughs> About six years ago, almost seven, we probably couldn't have kids naturally. Wow. And then the uh, Lord uh, sent us our first son, Daniel, who's coming up on turning six soon. And, uh, you know, we had kids later in life. and We were busy and typical. Think you can plan life. Me and my wife consider ourselves planners, and the Lord likes to make fun of that. Right. And uh, so we, <laughs> we one healthy heir later in life, we're good. One and done. And then, you know, it's 
18 months later, here's another little surprise, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like we checked in the hospital. They tried to tell us what to expect. Like, we remember. We were, <laughs> we were just here. <laughs> so my youngest son, Samuel, was born 18 months later, um, and he's uh, four now. So wow. They're good-looking boys, too. Well, I'm very blessed. Yeah. I'm very blessed. Yeah. We'll back up now. I'm sorry. I wanted to get in there and, get, and, yeah. and hear about the boys a little bit. Well, it's a good contrast to, to uh, draw. You know, we yeah. were even a little hesitant. wonder why they asked us. And the lady knew me from a previous church in my childhood. And I don't know if that had something or they were just looking for a warm body. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, you know, and it was weird that church. They had a bumper crop. Pretty big church for this area of third and fourth grade. You know, we had like 12 or 13 of them. Yeah. So you take two young married people that has never had kids and you hand them 13, 14, third and fourth graders, you know? <laughs> wow. It was, it was, but it was good. I, I don't yeah. say it negatively or complaining at all. And, but it is weird now they're going to college. Yeah. You know, now I run into them, you know, they still remember you though, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's weird when uh, one of your first little kids you ever taught in Sunday school is teaching your kids swimming lessons, you know what I mean? It's yeah. It's weird, in a good way. Uh, marks time, and how fast time goes. When we teach others, we learn a lot too, don't we? Yes, sir. And uh, but anyhow, going to what you're talking about there, and the love to teach came there, and then I would uh, that eventually would grow into I was teaching um, Wednesday nights with our first to sixth grade boys at that church. Uh, got so a lot of them were getting double doses of me, and then I think some of them felt like they'd been punished because <laughs> at one point they moved me to fifth and sixth grade boys. So some of them boys had gotten me from third, fourth grade Sunday school and Wednesday night. And then it's like they thought they was going to escape me. And then they get me again in fifth <laughs> and sixth grade. But, uh, and it was teaching on Wednesday nights and that, like you said, how I wound up in the Christian church was, you know, I would read the material, the lesson. And I would see... I don't know if it's discrepancies is the right word, but just details left out. Details that I thought were important, you know, from what the text in the Bible would say to this feel good story. So you had had a text in the lesson that you were given to teach. Right. And, but the text didn't really, wouldn't really explained in the lesson. I mean, the details left out of that. Yes. Okay. I use this example somewhat heartbrokenly because it points to me and how it's so easy even if you're raised in a quote-unquote christian home and what you have to read your bible right sunday school books are good and i'm not criticizing or saying you shouldn't use them but why you have to read your bible i was raised from diapers in the church do you know how many times i heard david and goliath mm-hmm. that story in sunday school yeah. it's a favorite all of the boys love it Here's the heartbreaking part. I was 30-something years old before I ever knew David killed Goliath with a sword and chopped his head off Hmm. because I'd been left out of the Sunday school lessons. Okay. Too violent, too grave. A detail. Maybe it is, maybe it ain't, but I didn't understand the point. You go back and read it in your Bible. Right. I've been in the church my whole life, but I'm 30-something years old, and I wasn't the only 30-year-old man in that classroom that didn't really realize that detail that night. Uh-huh. So I became a rebel in my own church for his teaching. I was notorious. They quit getting me a book because I quit using the church purchased literature. 
I said, no, I got my Bible. I'll do my own lessons. And as long as I was meeting the need, that was fine. But, you know, I got sort of labeled a little bit. You know, he's, he's the renegade, you know. Yeah. But, you know, like you say, stick to the Bible. Can people argue? They may not like it. Right. But they couldn't argue it. You know, again, but I, then again, I, they do. <laughs> yes. And uh, it got to be, you know, contentious with some of even friends in my quote unquote previous church. And there was a sad chapter of there that one day I'd been, it was a larger church for the area. And some, some people that used to go there kind of made the mention that, you know, well, some people are accepted there, not everyone. And I kind of was dismissed it. Maybe they were just sour grapes, but then some things happened in our life and we got to miss them a little bit. And I got to realize that nobody missed us. And I, I've shared this with Evan one time. Uh, that, uh, um, Evan, your, your former preacher here. Yes, Evan Strickland. I'm right. sorry. And, That's uh, right. When I uh, started talking to him about this, that at our previous church, right or wrong, I'm not saying I did right, I got to noticing that. And so I deliberately did uh, an experiment. I still taught my Sunday school, and I met all my teaching obligations. I didn't miss a Sunday. But I... Right or wrong, I don't condone this, but I, I didn't attend Sunday morning worship for eight months straight. Now, like every good church, and you know, and I've seen that in every denomination, everybody's got their assigned seats in church when you're yeah. a regular. <laughs> and out of 250 people, do you know it took eight months before one person I was close to asked me if there was a problem? Not sitting in my spot in church for eight entire months. Eight months? Every Sunday, not there. Wow. And, and I say that brokenheartedly, not judgment. Right. And uh, so we become this, I don't know what the right word is, just wandering, you know, spiritually wandering. We was hurt, frustrated, aggravated, didn't know what to do, where. And I got real cynical, you know, real jaded that all these churches are the same. And, was already about, you know, when I met all my teaching obligations and they redid the next year, they'd hired a full-time youth minister that wasn't, I didn't feel no good biblical standards and it kind of got obvious we weren't going to work out. So to keep peace in church, I just stepped aside and that was my excuse to ride off into the sunset. And that's what I did. And like I said, I'm not bragging about none of this. Um, so like everyone else, COVID was a beautiful excuse Stay home. Yeah. And we did. And we knew we needed to be going somewhere. I wanted to be going somewhere, but it's like, but where? But where, Lord? You know, they in this area, you know, growing up, knowing everybody, or think I know everybody, and think I know how all these churches are, it was hard to know. See, I was like I said, I was raised here behind Antioch, but I never attended. Never even been invited to Antioch. Attended a funeral here once growing up. Yeah, I grew up in church two miles down the road. You know, oh. people down here can be a little clannish, inside right. and outside the church. And um, right. we're we're kind of out in the woods of southern Mississippi. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my family is notorious. We we live on our little dirt road. And we we will we will keep to ourselves. Yeah. So we did. But that's when you know. And at one point in that previous story, you know, going back to the. The kicking against the ox goads. When me and my wife were moving out here, there was a 
stressful time with both our careers. And we met with a good friend, a preacher friend who had a counseling ministry. And we had a real serious one prayer one time. And I, I blurted that out. I'm like, Lord, do you want me to preach or what? And it just came out. And I wouldn't say it again. I wouldn't, we wouldn't talk about it again. Again, it was that just scared to death of it. So I said all that to say, I knew the Lord was wanting me to do what he wanted me to do. But I was like, no, Lord, <laughs> not that. Uh, yeah. I'll do anything else. I'll teach Sunday school. I'll teach Wednesday nights. I'll uh, I'll take up offering. I'll do anything in the church, but just not that, Lord. You know, there was a there was an old song, Christian song, uh, years ago. I guess it was probably back in the nineteen eighties, where this guy is singing, "I'll do anything you want me to do, but please don't send me to Africa." That yeah. was the chorus. Please don't send me to Africa. And so often, I've interviewed men just like you who said, I was not going to preach. I was not going to preach. Do anything you want me to do, Lord, but I'm not going to preach. So go ahead. Tell us no, how I mean, God got you on this. You know, and maybe that's, I guess I'm bringing all that up. Maybe why he wouldn't leave me alone, even when I was sitting out. You know, I had right. to turn my back on God. I didn't have any less faith. I'm not saying I did right by staying out, but that's right. what we were doing. I'm just going to be, you know, open book honest about what sure. happened. Because that is the beauty in how God will, he won't remove that collar. Right. You can kick against the ox goads all you want, mm -hmm. but the goad's still there. And, that, and that's the point, I guess, of the whole story. So I believe it was May, it was early May, because it hadn't got too bad hot. That's how I know <laughs> of, uh, I believe it was 2020. Uh, we live on a quiet little dirt road and our house is kind of close to the road. So our garden was just across the dirt road, right by the road. And uh, I was walking out one Saturday afternoon to, uh, weed my tomatoes or as we say down here in southern Newton county hoe my garden right meaning a garden hoe to right. remove weeds and all i was really wanting to do that day was just peace and quiet and hoe my tomatoes and i look and like i said i live on the dirt road and there's not many people down there so i'm kind of like the neighborhood watch so here comes this strange car down the road and i see that again and i'm like who's this character and i see that town tag and I'm like oh they're lost and I see them ease by my house a little bit and I'm doing the old southern you know southern redneck glare why are you down here what's your business you know I didn't invite right. you and then they back up and I'm like oh they lost okay probably harm us I'll give them directions to get them out of here and then lo and behold it's Evan Strickland and uh he's actually not down there to witness or look for anybody he's looking for a half crazy runaway dog <laughs> that had run through the woods from his office here at the church and thought it might be back that way. And so that was the beginning. Just conversation and find out with country neighbors. He Through the woods, he wasn't far from him, but right. we don't live side by side. And so that was the beginning. And then uh, a few weeks later, I would run into him up in town, uh, do some circumstances. I was going to town once a month for... Uh, my oldest son's speech appointment and we got we actually run into each other at the same place uh store while i was killing time and got talking and invited me to church and again we're still sitting out of church and i kind of explained to him where i was i for some reason was surprisingly blunt with him even though he was a preacher i didn't certainly was polite but i didn't sugarcoat nothing right and uh a week or two later i'm in there and then our elder that uh bo clark Found out he talked to him and he said he invites me to church. And then a couple of weeks later, it would uh, be uh, Jamie Slay and you know 
fixing probably be like the digging in the church, but you know, member of just a member at the time of the same congregation. He, he invites me. Me and my wife were talking. Say we got to get back going to church. We need, and we even said, well, we're not going to just commit to nobody. We're just going to go visit. We need to right. do some visiting. And, and I said, well, if we start with anywhere, we'll start with Antioch. Because I said I grew up down here, and I remember when people used to invite people to church, but I hadn't heard that in so long. And I tell you something that was different. This is me talking to my wife. I said, darling, something else is different. I said, I can't remember whenever three members from one church invited me to church. Nice. The follow-up. Yeah. You know, Southern culture down here. Oh, everybody, like I said, growing up used to be a common thing. It's not so common, unfortunately. Right. But it's one thing for one person to invite you to church. But, you know, and if I had a sub point to slide in here and anyone's listening to any church, follow-up. Yes. One member inviting, they just think you're being polite. Right. Two or three members over time, not all the same time, but you know, that that speaks to you. And I told my wife, I said, well, we owe them a courtesy visit. <laughs> I called it that. I'm not yeah, even going to pretend. Sure. And, you know, I told you we was going to visit a bunch of churches. Well, right. we never visited another church. Mm. You know, came that one Sunday for a courtesy visit, and the Lord just said, home, you know. Oh, I tried to deny that too for a while, you know, tried to stay cynical. Right. And, but he just used the people sitting in the pews around me to, and Evans preaching at the time, you know, just uh, started, boy, he just, the mox goes got a little sharper. Yeah. And as I lovingly put it to Evan one Sunday, he was talking, I said, man, you were just throwing bricks at me. What do you mean? You know, this preaching, I'm sure you've heard the old expression, you're stepping on my toes. Well, right. I grew up wearing work boots that don't mean a lot to me. I have steel toe boot, you know, <laughs> that don't always bother me. But, you know, when the bricks go to hit you in the forehead, and that's what I told him, I said, you were just throwing bricks and they were hitting me in the forehead. And, um, you know, you learn when a brick hits you in the forehead, even in a work, work boot background, that uh, you either learn to duck or you learn to catch the brick. <laughs> and the Lord said, catch the brick. Yeah. Catch the brick. And I forgot what service it was, but just... They got after me and the Lord was just, you know, and Evan said something, you just need to talk, pray, or you hear the Lord just come. And man, he, I was sitting just a few feet over from where we are right now. And I told him, I got to go talk to him. I just, I got to go. I was about to lose my mind in the pew there, you know. And I don't mean that in a negative way, just. Right. He wasn't going to leave me alone. That ox right. go was just, and again, still scared. Went up there and prayed and said, look, I know the Lord's calling me to do something. I just don't know what it is now. Maybe at the time I didn't truly know that, but now looking back, I still knew what it was. I was just—I had pushed and denied that calling as far away from me as I could, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, we prayed on it, that, and uh, shortly there later, uh, same elder that invited me to come to church, Bo called me and said, "Well, look, we want to help you work through this. Find your calling. You know, would you consider doing communion meditations for us or trying it?" Sure, sounds good. Like you said, anything but preaching, right? Right, right. Bo's a good guy to kind of just help people in their spiritual walk. Yes. He's a good man. Yes, he is. And uh, so I did. And I don't know if it's a, every Sunday, but majority of the Sundays for about a year, I did every communion meditation we had. And the Lord just uses things, you know, just you know, makes you, and I don't mean makes you, I mean, you want to, but he uses that to grow you. 
Right. When you know you've got to get up there and say something. So you get there, you go studying, go to reading, get over the fear of standing behind a pulpit. You know, the Lord said, oh, fine, if you go kicking and screaming, I'll let you go kicking and screaming. <laughs> so he drags me in the shallow end and lets me flail around for a little right. while. And uh, so that was great. And Lord used other elders. And so, you know, if there's any elders that listens to this, don't dismiss or hesitate to tell someone when you think you see the Lord calling them something. He would use Evan Strickland, the pastor at the time, and he would use three elders to finally say, this is the ox goad you're kicking. Mm -hmm. And uh, three of them pulled me aside. And none of them, and come to find out, none of them, talked to the other one, none of them knew the other one had spoke to me. And they would just pull me aside and say, have you ever thought about preaching? Hmm. Have you ever thought about preaching? I think the Lord, you'd be good at it. <laughs> hmm. And, uh, I, you know, and the, but the first one that was, said it was Evan Strickland. I remember the day it happened when I finally, I was in Flowood, Mississippi in a Burger King drive-thru with my two boys, doctor's <laughs> appointment, I'm pretty sure, getting them lunch. And, you know, modern cars, you have your phone plugged into your Bluetooth and right. messages come over the speakers and Evan shoots me a message and I'm like, okay, and I just hit play. You know, and he said, hey, I got a question for you. <laughs> we, yeah. we converse outside of church. It was nothing unusual, you know. Sure. I said, like, sure, what's up? And he goes, have you ever thought about preaching? I snatched my phone off the charger. I tried to get it off the Bluetooth. It scared me so bad. Like, I was scared of who was going to hear it. It was just me and my boys in the car <laughs> in a drive-thru with the windows rolled up. You know, and I thought, oh. he said it out loud, you know. I panicked. And I started to do my usual thing in my response. Needless to say, I wasn't going to voice text it. I was scared someone hear it. You know? Right. And I was going to do that, oh, no, I can't. And, you know, just, Lord, how long are you going to fight? How long are you going to kick? I said, yeah, I have. He says, I could tell. He says, I can tell when you're in communion meditation, you're straining the whole back. He says, I'm, I'm watching your, your lips. You're yeah. fighting yourself up there. You got so yeah. much more to say. And how he could pick up on that, I'll never know. I thought mm -hmm. I had that just nervous poker face, you know, that right. you try to put when you're not used to public speaking. So he said, you know, let's continue to pray on work on it. And then I'll, I'll start discipling you. I'll start teaching you how to preach. And uh, boy, you know, then the, then the ride really started. You know, it went fast. Uh, he started discipling me. He started meeting, teaching me how to study and how to write and to preach. And uh, I can't say enough for my church family here at Antioch. They've been nothing but supportive and helping. Uh, I remember the first trial run, if you will. It was some Wednesday night over there in the fellowship hall. And I don't know if they invited people and didn't tell me or what. I've never seen so many people sitting in on Wednesday night. You know, they, they, that was that supportive. Right. And, um, I did one or two trial runs on sermons on Wednesday night. And the next thing I know, you know, hey, South Raleigh really needs a preacher. I've been without one. They lost their full-time preacher. Over so Raleigh, Mississippi. Yes, sir. How far is that from here? 50 minutes, about 50. 42, 43 miles. Okay. Uh, the reason I know it's 50 minutes, I've tried to find a faster way there. <laughs> it don't matter how you go, it's 50 minutes. Yeah. But uh, 
Well, do I remember right that you helped with it, that that Evan started a, a preacher boy club here at the church and and uh, you helped with that as well? And that may have been, yes, you're correct. Thank you. I, I didn't deliberately leave that out. I just kind of forgot. I did have a minor role there. Um, and But, you know, he started that and I even said, well, yeah, I want to help, but I need to do it for myself. And that may have been his, maybe also how he knew too, you know. But yes, I did help with that as well. Huh. Again, teaching. I don't right. mind teaching. Teach all you want, Lord. I'll teach all you want here at church. Just don't ask me to get up there and preach, you know. Right. I, you know, I was, you know, like a kid in a pool. I, I want to be down in that shallow end. I'll where I can splash around, put my feet down, and I'll feel fine. But just don't ask me to go in the deep end. Well, if, if God puts you around uh, a preacher like Evan and people like Bo, uh, you, you can't escape. Yeah. You know, you're trying to run. I'd like to share this with our our listeners that that uh, your former minister, Evan Strickland, mm -hmm. who's now uh, preaching in California, is on podcast number 107. And I encourage folks to go back and listen. I, I might say that as of today and for the last two years, it's been the most downloaded podcast we have had uh, out of all the podcasts and, and uh, just his his journey into the local ministry yeah. uh, from missions and everything else and how God directed him, maybe how he was able to look at you and say, God is trying to direct this man somewhere as well. So I encourage people, podcast number 107, go back sure. and take a look at that. Or not take a look, take a listen. Yeah. All right, go ahead. But uh, like I said, it, it went fast. I did a couple Wednesday night sermons here with church family. And then next thing I know, it's, hey, Evans introduced me at South Raleigh. They were having a revival. Um, Evans' dad, you know, Greg, was preaching revival down there at the church. and you know, was trying to get going. They'd had some tough times and desperate for a preacher. I hate to say desperate, but that's what it was. And right. um, so they were willing to take even somebody that didn't know what he was doing. And so I'm, you know, it's April, I'm practicing and in May, I'm, hey, you want a full time? I'm, like, I, I, I'm not prepared, but uh, you know, but it, uh, I'm learning as I go. And uh, what a blessing that has been. I hope for them as much as me. You know. Now, when we began, I said that you were part time. So, how was your preaching schedule at? Every Sunday? other Sunday. Every South Sunday. Raleigh. So it gives you a little bit of time there, a two week period there, to get another sermon written and uh, or a couple of sermons. I don't know how many you do on Sunday, but yes, sir. I'm doing one, but uh, and that was a comforting thing you shared this week that you know you didn't go to Bible college neither did I. So right. you know, I think maybe you might understand it. I have to spend a lot of time studying. Oh yeah. You know, well any preacher, do any right. preacher should, mm -hmm. but when you haven't and you've got to get those books together when you haven't had at least a little bit of training. Uh, you just, you, you have to do that. And what you said, I think is very interesting that, and 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 uh, you hate to say it like that, but they are desperate for a preacher. A lot of churches in this country are desperate for a preacher. And let me say that there's people listening to this podcast. There are men listening to this podcast who God has called to preach and they've not, they've not accepted that call yet. We have churches all over this country that are just begging for a Bible preacher, a man that will preach the Bible and not back away from it. And I have to say, you know, I started preaching to my first church when I was 18 and that church was desperate for a preacher. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me, I know they wouldn't hire somebody like me, Yeah. but uh, I was desperate to preach and uh, I didn't care what the pay was. I just wanted to, to share the gospel and share what little bit I knew. And because of churches like that in my early ministry, I was able to grow and and become a better preacher through these 
uh, 48 years of preaching now. But but if it hadn't been for those churches that were uh, either desperate for a preacher or just kind and God-led to let somebody like me preach, uh, I couldn't be doing what I'm doing today. I, I don't want to sound like a copycat, or, and this is not pointless flattery, but I agree with you wholeheartedly, and that's right. what's going on in South Raleigh. You know, <clears throat> they needed someone, and, I, and even their senior elder, Dale Westwood, who I've come to love and appreciate, said, we need you, you need us. Right. And he's right. I didn't understand it. I was so overwhelmed at the time we had that conversation. But now, 14 months later, I see everything and what he meant. And he's all right. So you've been there for 14 months. Yes, sir. It's gone fast. Wow. And uh, what does the church do on the Sundays you're not there? Oh, uh, they have another elder, uh, Alan Sims. He he preaches the Sundays I'm not. And so, okay. And uh, that's been another thing the Lord has taught me since that, you know, you know, like I said, I've really reflected a lot this last 14 months, and especially this week, you know, I made the comment, me and my wife are planners. We gotta think, we gotta know every step going forward. That, that comes in conflict with living on faith, you know. Right. And like, and I've learned that, I guess maybe that was some of my hesitancy for answer to call. How, what's this gonna mean? Or what's it gonna be? And you know, one of the Lord's taught me is, live on faith, son. I got something probably better in store than what you planned. Right. And that's been the case. I, where I'm at now, even 14 months ago, I couldn't have told you. Both personally, spiritually, occupationally, I couldn't, I couldn't have planned this. I couldn't have predicted. I couldn't have worked all that out. But he has. It's, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. And you'd like to see the whole thing put together. Yeah. But God's giving you one piece at a time. Yeah. And saying, here, this that's one goes right here. And, and it's all you need to know for today. Yeah. And and uh, everything he's doing, we've discussed this so many times on, on the RSM podcast, everything happening to your life right now, Ryan, is, is what God is using to prepare you. And years down the road, if the Lord tarries in his return and if we continue to live, you're going to look back and say, oh, that's why I was doing that, to prepare me so I could do this. And it may be at South Raleigh years from now, or it may be somewhere else that God is using you in ministry. And going back to what you read uh, out of Esther earlier on Sunday, you know, I know that ain't been the overall theme of this revival, but I, I've been stuck on that since you read it out of Esther, you know, for a time such as this. Yeah. Where I'm at 14 months ago was a time such as this. I didn't know that 14 months ago. Well, see, that's what excites me because God is looking to build a great army. I really believe that in, in these in these terrible days we're living in. We're living in some terrible days right now Amen. as far as sin and the acceptance of sin and, and everything is acceptable. And God's looking for some people to stand up and say, here I am, send me. And uh, it's people like you, Ryan, that are that maybe they didn't start when you were 18 years old preaching, but there's guys in their 30s and their 40s and some guys in their 60s and 70s that God's calling to preach, and maybe they've never preached. And those guys in their 70s, they may only have 10 years. They may have, they may have 15 or 20, but they need to get to it. Yeah. Need to get to it. Follow Ryan's example, I'm saying to my listeners today. <laughs> well, my example is don't kick against the ox goats. You can do it. Yeah. I, my, actually, my first sermon I did was on the ox goats. That was a little side story when Evan was deciding to teach me right. We were working on that first sermon, and he said, I remember he asked me, well, you got one you want to do? And at the time, I didn't. You know, I just, I don't know. So I was like, well, let's do Jude. So we was working on Jude, and it was going okay. But 
just wasn't. And then I was sitting over in the fellowship hall trying to study one Saturday, and he was in his office, and it just, Acts 9 hit me. It's, and that was a revival preacher I had heard back 10, 15 years ago. He'd done a great job on it. Yeah. And uh, I forgot his name, unfortunately, but uh, that passage come back to my mind, and I went to Nevin and said, I got to do it on this one because this yeah. is this is how I got here. And uh, so that's actually why I refer to that a lot. That was what my first sermon was, was kicking against. And I called it the hard way or the easy way. Right. You know, God's calling you. You can do it the hard way like I did, which I don't encourage. Or right. you can listen the first time and do it the easy way. Go where God wants you. And, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, I remember I had so many questions when I started preaching. Well, you're going to go full time. You're going to move. You're going to do this. And I, you know, I guess I probably scared some people that maybe my calling wasn't true. I don't know. <laughs> that was, you know, what I'd say a lot. I don't know. I don't know what this means. I don't know where I'm going. You know, it's a, it was a big shock. But now he's used that time to show me what my ministry is. And, um, I don't, right now, I don't think like I've told a couple of churches, my ministry is filling the gap. As a fellow deacon here put in, the, he, he surmised it best, that filling in the gap that, like you talked about, there's such a need for preachers. Right. More than I ever knew. Evan had alluded to it, you know, nationwide, and I imagine you're well acquainted right. the alarming numbers nationwide oh, yeah. across denominations of right. lack of preachers. And since I have answered that conduit, I'm starting to find in the rural areas, Newton, Scott, Smith counties, it is becoming alarmingly common for a preacher to have two and three churches. Yes. Yeah. Just to fill the pulpit. And one of the one of the stats I read, it's been several years ago, but it was showing that in the in the coming years, uh, we we've known of preachers that would preach at, at two or maybe three churches that have twenty to thirty people in them. In the coming years, there may be churches of two hundred that will be sharing their preacher with another church of 200 because there's so few people who are answering the call. It's not that God isn't calling as many people as he always did, but there are so few people because our minds have gotten, the minds of Christians have become so worldly yes. that we don't want to give up anything to go into ministry. And that was one little segue I wanted to include if we don't run out of time was how he showed me that ministry. And you you know, the ministry he may be calling to may be very unique. And that's the thing he's really showed me. You're in a very unique position, but I've got a very unique job for you. Right. Uh, you know, I, I, you asked me earlier, what, do I, what am I doing what day? And I said, well, I'm, most honest answer I got depends on the day. A lot of people don't see the beauty or brilliance, especially planter minds. And well, I'm a part-time fuel truck driver. I'm a part-time cow farmer. I'm a most of the time daddy daycare and, <laughs> and a part-time preacher. And everyone don't see how that all works out on paper. And, and I ain't gonna say it's always easy. It's overwhelming, but it works through the grace of God. You know that all these little things allow me to be in the position to go what you're talking about, all these smaller churches. And when I say smaller churches, I mean 50 and less on Sunday. Right. And I think smaller churches are a great thing. I'm not looking down on that, but no, they're having very tough time finding preachers. Well, the average church in America, the average size, when we, we think about the, the mega churches or even the churches with 200 or whatever, mm -hmm. The average church church size in America is uh, well before COVID yeah. was seventy. That's the average. That's mm -hmm. if that takes if you take those those five thousand member churches and you put them all together, the average is seventy. So uh, 
this is this is what I when I have had an opportunity to speak at, at a few of our Bible colleges. One of the things I, I tell the students is, most of you are probably not going to be preaching at a church of five thousand. You're probably going to be preaching at a church of seventy or a hundred, or maybe forty. And we need to accept where God sends us. Yeah. And do you see that sometime in the future, do you see you might be doing a, a weekly ministry or full-time, whether at Raleigh or somewhere else? Yes, sir. That's come up a good bit. And I've been prayerful about that. You know, Lord, is it, where do you want me? And, that, and that's kind of where I was going with this whole, he's shown me the ministry that he wants me in. It, nothing he's shown me in my life is a time and season. Right. And because I am still learning to preach, I am still learning, you know, I don't have a clue what a full-time pastor is. Right. I'm still trying to just trying to learn how to preach. And um, talking about that need, at the beginning of this year, I could, I, within 15 minutes of my house, it was four churches that lost their pastor at the same time. Hmm. Four empty pulpits, 15 minutes of my house. And I live right. in a rural area. Right. There was such a need. Obviously, you know, uh, we lost our full-time pastor here at Antioch back at first of the year, so I've had to go and fill it in at my own church. And then... So you've been filling in here some, too. Yes, sir. I, I, I should say, uh, you've alluded to it, but we're actually sitting in the auditorium yes, of the Antioch Christian Church right now doing this interview. Correct. So uh, this month has actually been a bit of a vacation for me. You took my Sunday, thank you, by the way. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got to rest in here preaching this Sunday. I would I would have been preaching that. You know, that's a compliment and, a, and appreciative thing. Not not a snarky comment, but uh, yeah, I mean, it is almost full time now. Uh, but I'm not in one place. Between just Antioch and South Raleigh, I'm about seven out of every eight Sundays I'm preaching. Really? Yes, wow. sir. Um, this month has been a little different, been a little less, but. And talk about how he'll send your ministry to it. I never will forget one Monday morning, a third church showed up at my front door asking. It didn't work out. I offered and I agreed, and I, but uh, they didn't realize I already had two. The uh, church I actually grew up in come knocking at my door. Wow. When they found out I was preaching, hey, we, we lost our pastor due to illness, you know, right. and we need somebody. Right. We'd love for you to come. You know, I was like, well, I'd love to, but uh, I got one Sunday in the next three months. You want it? <laughs> you know, that's what I had to say. There's that kind of need. Right. And so that's why I kind of feel like right now in this unique position I am with schedule and life and work, you know, stand in the gap, stand in the gap. You know, there's a lot of, and you understand it probably more than anybody, you know, there's, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. That verse has obviously meant more to me in the last 14 months than it ever did before. Well, when we, when we began this ministry uh, 20 years ago, one of the things we said is, if besides revivals, we would do interim ministry, fill in for a church for one to, to three months or whatever, uh, if we had the time. Well, we did one interim ministry, and that's the church where uh, Evan's brother is at now, out in Colorado, for six weeks, and then we got too busy with the revivals. But now we've come full circle, and we're looking at uh, beginning in 2017, that we're going to be offering one to three month interim ministries for me to do because of my age. So I won't be, uh, I'll be able to travel maybe a long distance, but stay there for, for one to three months and work with the church and maybe help them sift through those. Some churches get, get hundreds of resumes and, and they don't know, they, they don't know where to go and they can't foresee that now this person is, is actually coming from a direction that you, that's not where you, you want to pull this person from. That they don't, 
Uh, some guys are just sending that. And you'd think with all these resumes going out that all the churches would be filled, but they're the same guys leaving one church going to another a lot of times, and we still have the same number of empty churches. And to show the contrast to that, not an argument, a point with the contrast, you take where I'm at now, they've right. been waiting two years for a resume. Well, and I'll tell you, you why. Know. They're in Mississippi. Yeah. And we find that, we've discussed that on this program before, that we've had preachers say, I'll go anywhere God wants me to go. I, I just feel like it's time for me to make a move. And I'll say, well, there's a church over in Mississippi. Well, I don't want to go to Mississippi. Because <laughs> Mississippi has this, uh, you know, I haven't lived here all my life. I'm, 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 I'm a move in. Been here since 2006. And, and uh, I, what I tell people is it's not burning, people. You know, that, they all get that Mississippi burning idea. It's not burning. Mississippi is a great place to live with, with some wonderful people. And, uh, and, you know, and it's the South. And I just got to say, I love the South. Not that I don't love the folks in the North, but I just love the South. I love the food. Yeah. I love the people. I love the casualness and, and, uh, and, and the, the neighbors. And then going back to the uniqueness of my thing and then kind of something Evan told me one time, we was having a real good, just discipling talk out of my carport one night in a thunderstorm and, uh, just talking kind of about answering the call and going forward to ministry. And he made the comment to what you're pointing at. You know, he says, you know, he tries to be all things to all people like you talk about in scripture, but he said it's hard because he wasn't. And then believe it or not, because my wife is from North Mississippi and I'm from central Mississippi, there is a difference. There and is. I went to school in Southern Mississippi and that's the difference there. Yeah. Mississippi and is a long state north and south. Is, it, it is. is. It's, you'd be surprised <clears> at the, the little uh, cultural nuances there but he made a comment to me in regard to that goes but you are these people and that wasn't said in a meaning way or a condescending way his point was you can reach them in a way other people can't that's right absolutely and and that's always stuck with me and why maybe i feel like for my ministry to you know why i'm blessed to be in a position i can be small churches when again i'm not i'm all for small churches you know but and I'm certainly not preaching for the money, but to be self-funded that I don't, money, don't even bring that up. You need a preacher, I'll come preach. Right. And that's where I wound up at South Raleigh. And then, like you said, now it's grown into filling in the empty, in my home church, what I call home. And then, like I said, I had, Lord sent me a, I mean, a third one came to the door. They didn't even call. I mean, literally knocked on my door Monday morning, nine o'clock, you know, which I'm thankful I didn't mind. But, you know, and I told them, yes, it just, but I even I wasn't enough, right, to hit that need. Well, Ryan, another thing about the fact that you live here and you're self-funded, mm -hmm. uh, so you can go to any church. Kind of like Rock Salt Ministries, we're self-funded. We go to any size church, Play and we go to some little bitty ones too. I'm, I'm not talking small. I'm talking itsy bitsy. Yes. <laughs> no, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Yeah. So, but anyway, I appreciate that. Yeah. But but uh, being from here, and you've got a solid grasp on the fundamentals of the gospel that a church may call you that may not be a Christian church and you can go in and preach the solid gospel and they'll say, that's gospel because you're, you're from here and people know you and they see your walk, they see your family, your wife, your, your boys, they see how they're being raised and they say, this, this guy is genuine. And it's not that when we hire somebody who moves in isn't genuine. But it doesn't matter if whether you're in the South or you're in Pittsburgh, somebody moves in, 
uh, well, they ain't from here, you know, and, and it takes a long time to build some trust. And if you're in a location and people know you, then, then you can fill the pulpit and you can share some gospel that may surprise people. Some that they may never have heard, some that was left out of the lesson. Yes, sir. You know, and, and that's a good thing. Well, I tell you what, interesting story. Uh, you know, we talked about what do you see yourself doing in, in the future, but really that's to God, you know, uh, we kind of jumped ahead on that because it's God's got the pieces of the puzzle. You you may be here the rest of your life or, or you may be in Pittsburgh someday preaching the gospel. <laughs> and that's been the humbling thing I've learned in, you know, more than 14 months, obviously all my life, but the last 14 since answering that call that, you don't have to have, you don't need to know, you don't need to plan. And and like people ask me, I've been asked, you know, to go full time, certainly more than one church already. And, you know, and I say, I'm not saying no, I'm not saying never, and I'm not saying I'm unwilling, but I don't think right now. Right. And I've learned that, you know, later in life, he may call me to do that. And now I'm, if he does, I will. <laughs> but, this is a good training time though for yes, you. Yes, sir. It's a yeah. good time to be trained. But he's just, even though I've had opportunities, he hasn't led me that way. And that's what I have tried to, in the most loving way, tell some churches. He's not leading me that way right now in my ministry. I do, I'm not saying never. I've learned that. Don't say never. You know, right. He might very well. Might be next week. Might be 10 years from now. I don't know. But. Well, frontline servants aren't just the guys who are full-time in the pulpit. They're not, they're not the full-time missionaries. Uh, although Certainly these are frontline servants. But they're, they're guys in the pew, uh, people in the pew, let me put it like that, people in the pew who say, here I am, Lord, send me. And they'll just go when God calls. Now, you were a frontline servant for a lot of time because you kept saying no. Yeah. And finally, God said go, and you said okay, mm-hmm. and you went. And, and uh, you're learning more and more as time goes on. I'm just, I'm, I'm excited to... To, to watch your life in ministry Thank you. grow and expand and see what God's going to do with you because um, he's certainly not finished with you yet. No, sir. He's got he's got a lot of training to do and a lot of growth for you, a lot of growth for your church at South Raleigh. Yes, sir. That's been another blessing. You know, I tried to, I don't know if I articulated it real well earlier this week when we was talking one time. You know, if anyone was listening, I think we have a connotation when we hear the word serve. Yeah. We assume serve means one way. And we should serve in a one-way fashion to the Lord, you know, not expecting nothing in return. But what he's shown me is you're going to get something back. Yeah. You know, every time I go, Lord, I'm going to teach. This is for you. Okay, Lord, I'm going to preach. This is for you. You're getting something out of it too. You know, I, he's grown me. He's shown me. I get such a – it's to the point now, it's kind of weird. I'm talking about I've been doing seven out of eight Sundays on average this year, and it's been tough. And so sometimes when I get that one Sunday, like this Sunday, you just get to sit back and enjoy hearing you preach, you know, enjoyed the rest. Then Monday's like, I gotta get back to preach. One day off and I'm like, next Sunday I might be in the pulpit, but it feels like I've been off for a month. You know, it's like, no, I I gotta get back to work. One of the best things we can do for ourselves as preachers is to listen to other preachers. I heard a very uh, smart man say years ago that there are two kinds of preachers, those who have, who got their education and they're done and they preach, and those who are continually getting their education. Yes, sir. And he said, the one I want is the one who's continually getting his education. And I learned to preach by listening to other preachers. And uh, again, Likewise. you and me both, you know, 
we, this is how we have to do it. And I, I took an opportunity. Every time there was a revival in the area, uh, I went, my kids, when they were little, we'd drug them to every revival around our churches so I could hear another preacher. And, and uh, I, I, one preacher may say two or three things, and I think, boy, that that make that that preached too. And I'd write down those notes, and that might be the next sermon I'm going to preach because I was still struggling with how to write a sermon. Yes, sir. And I really believe one of the best things we can do is listen to other preachers. There's so many you can listen to now on podcasts. There's so many you can listen to. And, and back then, I, you had to get a cassette tape, or you mm -hmm. might find a Christian radio station somewhere. Then you have to sift through some... Some of the preaching is maybe not uh, solid biblically, but some of the ideas are solid biblically, and yes. you can take those ideas and, and grow from them and learn from them, and then and then translate them into some good solid preaching. So, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to be happening. Uh, anything else you want to share before we go? Just uh, kind of like what I've been harping on. Don't you know if you hear the call, whatever it is, preaching or whatever, just don't kick against the obstacle. It's you know just. You can do it the easy way or the hard way, and I've done it the hard way. Don't do not do that. Good advice. Good advice. I hope our listeners take that. And I, again, I want to say to you, you men who are listening today who uh, know God's calling you, and you're saying, well, I'm just waiting till he, till he points to me. Well, consider this podcast, his finger pointing to you. Yes, sir. It's time. It's time now to take that step and make that decision to preach the gospel. Well, thank you so much, Ryan, for being with us today. And thank you. Uh, I hope our listeners will share this podcast with their friends and coworkers in Christ. If it's been uh, good for you, please share it. Maybe you'll share it with that man you know needs to be a preacher and hasn't made that decision. That fell in your church that you just, you see it in his eyes. You know it. Say, hey, listen to this. And maybe that'll be the encouragement for him. And we, and, and if, if that does happen, uh, write us. Let us know yeah. at uh, contact us at rocksolidministries.org and let us know that, that you've made a decision from this podcast. And until next time, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye and may God pour down His blessings on you Amen. like a Mississippi rain. <laughs>